<laughs> I was wondering. I looked at the the screen because I looked away for a second. I saw. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> it's recording. Here we go. Let's go. Uh, okay. What's your feeling on handkerchiefs? I think they're like in a, in a sense of like people use them to like wipe their nose or something. I'm just leaving it at that. It's just that broad. All right. I'm going to say they're gross. Okay. I think, I think Why? it's gross because it's like, it's like having a napkin in your pocket that you like sneeze into. You put all your snot into it or like you wipe your mouth with it and you put it back in your pocket and then you do it again. I don't know. It just, to me, I, I've I say, always thought it was gross. If I say pocket square, does that change your mind? Yeah. <laughs> Yes, it does. <laughs> because that's that's decorational. Like you don't. If I ever saw somebody in like a three piece suit in a pocket square, square pull their pocket square out to wipe their mouth, I'd be like, "What are you? What are you doing?" Like, <laughs> I don't know. To me, it's like having a pocket watch to actually check the time. Like, just wear a watch. Hmm. Okay. What about you? I think, uh, I think I I think I know you carry a handkerchief. Actually, I do. But yeah, I, I think that this is. You're like, I feel called out, so I don't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> no, no, no. I think this is a generational slash cultural gap. Because, yeah, I think when you just say handkerchief, what comes to mind is I think of my uh, my grandpa in church just whipping it out, you know, during the sermon and just blowing as hard as he can. And, you know, oh, there's no, like a whole army the thing. in that's there. That's the thing. Yeah. And then it goes back in his body. And that's, that's a different. I, well, I, I know that that's a thing. And I think. Like in Iowa, that's even a farmer thing. Um, but there's that. And then there's also the just the I carry this around for different reasons. Like so for in Japan, it was, you know, um, and I, I brought this back because it's really convenient after you wash your hands. Mm-hmm. I think in the U.S., everybody, um, we went to air dryers because they're sanitary and they don't waste, you know, trees with chopping down for paper towels. And that's all good and great. but. I hate standing there for 30 seconds, just rinsing my hands, just pulling them in and out and waiting for the, I say in and out cause like the Dyson, you know, like yeah, those yeah, were, yeah. so there's those, but then they have the other, you know, I heard I those aren't sanitary. Stuff. Like they just blow shit around. Well, what they are is a pain. Cause <laughs> you're like, I don't care what they are. They're annoying. <laughs> <laughs> well, so once you get used to carrying a handkerchief, never blowing your nose. Right. I mean, maybe wiping your nose if you're sweaty or something like that. Like that's that's different. But just you go to the bathroom, you wash your hands and then you have this miraculous ability to as you're leaving, just pull out of your pocket, dry your hands off as you're continuing to walk and make progress in your life as opposed to stand there for 30 seconds. It's like a superpower and you just feel great because you're like, I've hacked the hand drying system. I now save every time I go to the bathroom 30 seconds of hand drying. I will I will say this. Like I've never carried handkerchiefs. I don't know how to say it. Is it handkerchief? I think handkerchief. Chiff? Chiff? I think it's like a chiff, but handkerchief I don't does it matter? Let's Google it. I'm looking it up. Hanker Okay, so it's spelled handkerchief. Um pronounce. Oh, there's a there's a sound button on the here. Yeah, I'm gonna try. I don't know if this will actually be heard. Hank okay. It says chiff. Google says chiff. Hank handkerchief. Handkerchief. It's not chief, like like yeah. Native Americans. It's, it's nope. handkerchief. Chief. Interesting. Not even close um, to how yeah. that should. <laughs> I, I will. I will. Um, I will say when we were in Japan and you actually like gave me one, like because mm. it was so it was so humid there. 
it was really useful. Like just wiping the sweat off of my forehead. Mm. I never used it for like bodily function stuff, like blowing my nose right. or spitting into or whatever. Spitting. I, I don't know. I'm wild always, animals. Yeah. Just... <laughs> wild west out there. Um, but yeah, no. Um, I So I w- I've been editing the, the podcast episodes like one through 70, which is what we're on right now. Well, 73 is this one. But I because we're we're getting them all on youtube so we are i I have i have a video editor shout out rich uh he's he's actually a client of ours and he was um, yeah he just does his own hosting now but um we become friends and he's also really into video editing so now he's kind of taking on like all the podcast video getting all that together um so we've got our youtube channel uh, it's just youtube.com at everbros and uh all the videos are in draft right now at least the first three. So our plan is to to all to, all of them. Oh yeah, all, all of three. The first, three. I gotta rewatch <laughs> all of them again because I don't know what I cut out when in those early episodes, like in the audio version from the raw audio. Yeah. So I've got to like rewatch them and figure out where to cut, and then send it over to Rich and have him cut it. So like we've got like an animated opening and an animated ending and. um just all like the video elements and even like things I didn't think about, like getting the thumbnails for each video. Like mm. not, that's like a new thing, but I have to uh, rewatch all of these. And uh, uh, but the hard part about this is actually getting your video file and my video file from the archives and then putting them into a folder for rich. And so in a lot of our earlier episodes, there's like, there's always been like a recording issue, like uh, not always, but in probably like 30% of the episodes, where like your video doesn't exist because you were at the cabin and for some reason the Google Meet file didn't didn't record it. So mm-hmm. for episodes three and four, it's just me. And then it's just you with like a sound wave and like whenever you're talking. And mm-hmm. there are what and then like you would like put a name next to all of your recordings. Like when you put them in your folder and in, in our drive you like named it. It's like, I roughly know what episode each one is. Then there were like two episodes. I'm like, these, these names don't match up with any of the episodes that we've, we've aired. And are they the last episodes? Like, (laughs) don't spoil it. (laughs) I I just want to give it a name before anybody else does. It's already a name in our household. So, um, So but I did a bad job at this because I just dumped all my videos in there and the drive folder without naming them. So they're just dates, um, like file dates. So I've got to listen to all those episodes and figure out like what the actual episode is and then match it up with the, with the uh, published audio version of it to, just to double check. And I was like, why are there two episodes that Cody recorded with me that don't match up with any of our other episodes. And then uh, roughly around like episode 25 or tw- and, and 28, I found my recordings of the lost episodes, as you're calling them. Ooh. And so there are two official Everbros lost episodes that were recorded in November of 2022 that we have not published. Are they any good? even edited I, I haven't listened to all of them but the content of them like the titles of them are actually really good hmm. they're the things that i would want to cover for sure like one is uh our, our top client red flags and then the other one is you shouldn't close every lead you get i remember this yeah yeah and so like i was like i started listening to them i was like oh and i remember this because i quoted bojack horseman and like the the opening to the <laughs> red flags one 
And I was like, I don't think that ever aired. So um, yeah, I've been working on that. That's been a big podcast project to get everything on YouTube. So um, that's huge. I don't know how I want to release the the lost episodes though. I don't know if I want to like wait until like we don't have anything to put out there. And I'm like, well, we got two weeks worth and then like dig into the archives or just like release them some other way. We wait them until we get the Patreon going. Oh. I say that we've literally never talked about Patreon before ever. But Well, I I was but, just talking to Lauren about this this morning because I told her it'd be funny if instead of doing a Patreon, we did an OnlyFans. It's <laughs> 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 the same thing, right? I mean, it yeah. really, yeah, at the core, it's the same thing. I but, saw an ad. Uh, I saw an ad for OnlyFans and it was hilarious because... It was, they're like they're like they're trying to pass it off as like for artists and stuff it, sort of right like they knew they knew exactly what they were doing but they were treading the the line of making it not clear so that like if your grandma saw it she'd just be like oh that's nice honey you know like, <laughs> so it, it's this um this attractive young middle-aged slash younger i don't what do you call the group of like oh you just say in their mid-20s woman and young it, woman it's she yeah, there you go. But I, I wanted to make it seem like she's not in college, like she's she's already graduated because that's she's what the an adult. She's a young that. adult woman. <laughs> young, there you go. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's exactly what OnlyFans would say. Um, and she, her, like the text with it is a quote from her, and it says, "Like OnlyFans uh, enabled me to pay off my nursing degree." And she's <laughs> smiling with um i think she's got like her graduation cap on and i'm like oh geez this is <laughs> oh, no this is wholesome and also everything is implied and it's fun well they had that whole fiasco like a year or so ago where their um their banks basically disassociated from them because they're like you know we don't want to be affiliated with like a, a pornography platform hmm. and then i'm like no, no no that's not what we do and then like they were going to like limit like any kind of pornography on their platform and then like there they looked at all the, of their the revenue numbers just plummeted and they're like well that was a mistake so yeah. then i don't know what they did i don't know if they built relationships with their banks again or if they went to like the same banks that like pornhub goes to <laughs> 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 but like at what point as a company are you like well this is us this is what we do now I wonder if saying these words alone is something, if it's enough to influence where some of this, um, where we publish, you know, this podcast and, and it's like, cause I know once we get to YouTube, like they've got listeners for these words. Yeah. Um, but, but, um, you can still like monetize them. So like, I, I, I've been learning a lot about YouTube as I, uh, as I move this over and cause I've never uploaded a YouTube video before in my life. So mm-hmm. I've I've learned like when you upload it, like there's a check mark. Is this thing is this video for kids? And you just said, No, it's not. But like, should it be age restricted? Also, no. So like if right. kids wanted to watch it, I guess they could. But the they really relax on their demonetization policies. So like you can't like swear or say like vul- have any kind of vulgarity, I think, in like the first like I don't know how long, like first five minutes or something. Hmm. And uh, and if you do, then I think you're at risk for demonetization. And it could change by the time this publishes. I also I could also be wrong, but uh, that's what I understand. Yeah. So I've I've got feelings, but uh, no, you but don't. <laughs> I've never I've, I've never I've feelings, heard of you crying once. I have feelings on uh, excessive profanity in in publications and whatnot. But um, my my old pastor said that. Um, People who people who use excessive profanity are just not smart enough to uh, exp- like 
verbalize how they feel about a concept. So they have to use filler words like that to, uh, to, to portray it. And like, I don't know. I love, I love a certain level of vulgarity at, you know, in certain context, but I, I think I kind of agree. I'll just say it anyway. So I had, uh, like, our, our cold openings just keep getting longer and longer, but this is <laughs> relevant. At least we're, we're, make we're like, short. <laughs> with this, we're at least on topic, sort of. Um, because I think marketing is as this too. I remember, who was it? Um, not Pat Flynn. Uh, who's the other guy? Why am I blanking? The other guy from Pat Flynn. <laughs> the, the, I think he's Indian as well, right? Um, of Indian descent. I don't, I don't know his actual nationality, but. Um, Neil Patel. You know, but that might be it. Yeah. The SEO guy? Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I remember he, this was a while back, he came out with some like questionable ads um, and, and they weren't related to profanity. It was just like very shock and awe. I think it, was, it had to do with like using women to catch attention like GoDaddy mm-hmm. did in the old days, which we talked about recently too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, th- I think all of this. So um, in college, I took a, and this is the time when like I was deep into Mark Manson at the time who... Um, he was not as polished as he is now. And you'll see that, um, as a general trend. And, uh, I was, I was, uh, I was an English major for one semester and that was a mistake, but I took, uh, a class called the personal essay because I like writing and that, in that class, he wrote that personal essays. And I remember I wrote one thing where I had the professor come back and said basically about my, uh, excessive vulgarity and profanity in my writing that, it seemed like you're trying very hard to connect with a particular audience and mm-hmm. the effect that it's having on me is the opposite and that I'm oh, getting pushed yeah. further away. And, uh, I was mad, right. As you would expect, mm-hmm. because you write something and you're proud of it or you do, you do anything that you're proud of. And then somebody come back, comes back and says, uh, you're, you're doing the opposite of what you think you're doing. And then I slowly came around and realized that, um, the more I listened to and the more, uh, the more that I read where I saw people like that, I, I just thought, Oh yeah, I, I can, I see what it means. And I, I do agree. It's actually hard. I think it's harder to articulate yourself and your thoughts using the words that, you know, um, and that are the most applicable and avoiding profanity because it is, it's so easy. It's so easy to just like default to those words because it's, it's a piece of cake. I'm gonna know. You had you had a, this this critique on something that I wrote a while ago, and sort of Lauren actually is is when um, our client was basically facing getting sued for using un, you know uncopyrighted images or I guess copyrighted images, and I wrote an article about it on like what we did, like like how it happened to us, and I was very what's the word? Um, it, she's like you're very you're being very. Oh, um, See, it's hard, isn't crack. it? You're, yeah, you're, yeah, you're looking being, for the word, and you're and like. Uh, just just say i'm being a shithead um no so like you're being she's like you're being very crass for the sake of being crass and like i was like i was like well this is how i want to write but then i think you i think you brought this professor thing up before and you're like you know for the audience i think you said something nice like for the audience you're writing like it's cool with me but like for the audience that you're writing for i think it'll resonate and i was like basically it's like like a way of saying it's not going to resonate with everybody so i did i did go back through and i, I took a lot of the um, the crassness out but but um, uh you've got gary v right who's on the opposite side of this because you've had a lot he's i've seen the videos you, i don't know if you've seen them where he has people come up to him and just say like why do you swear so much and he's like this is who i am this is you know i don't want to be anything other than me yeah, he's and, the what the exception, not the rule. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. I, and I get like a hundred percent. And who are we to, who are we to critique with Carrie V? Right. <laughs> yeah. um, by all means, uh, keep doing what you're doing, doing very well. Um, we're, I'm not even in a position to say anything about it, but I, I think people take it personally as in when, when they get attacked in that way, like the, why are you doing this? And they're like, this is who I am. Well, you can be who you are and just be your best self. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, being filtered and self-monitoring doesn't mean that you're not being yourself. It can just mean you're, you're being the most polished version of yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's like that sort of self-constraint and self-discipline is actually a, a hard thing to do. But yeah. Speaking anyway. of self-discipline, um, we told ourselves that we would keep these cold <laughs> opens down to like five minutes. And, and we're yeah, done a terrible job. Now. Dude, this is all you. I'm blaming this one on you. I'll take it. Yeah. All right. All right. Okay. So, uh, on the, on, well, on today's episode, we really wanted to talk about the top seven things. It's really like 7.5, but the top seven things that a uh, new agency owners get wrong. And it's not even new agency owners, it's just agency owners in general. And I see this all over the, uh, Facebook groups and just kind of forums and everything. And it, it's like almost like I want to, I don't want to say trifecta, sep. Set Fecta? It's like the seven things <laughs> that like all come together in every single agency owner's post that I see. And it's just like your agent. I, I can, as soon as somebody posts about one of these things, I can automatically think like, you're going to fail. Like your agency is not going to be The real around. ones, the people actually running agencies, the ones that are saying that they are, but they're not actually doing anything yet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're the ones that are not posting. Except me. I'm a real agency owner, I swear. <laughs> Um, there, there's no particular order to this. In fact, before we even started this podcast, we're like, all right, because the, the working title was top X things. <laughs> I don't know how many we had. And we started counting and Cody was just like, we should just leave it top X things. And that should just be the published title. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, no, 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 we got to have a number. So we went with seven. Um, I'll, I'll start it off. And I think we can go back and forth a little bit, or you can put yours in whenever you feel like, uh, like it's a good segue. Yeah, we both put our notes down and there's obviously some overlap. So I think uh, I can contribute and just tag in mine as they as they match yours too. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So the first one I have is wanting to start an agency um, because you have no skills. And <laughs> <laughs> so Cody and I have said this all the time. We're like, agencies are where people go later in life when they want to try harder. <laughs> and it's like like you're like mid-20s or maybe you're like you didn't go to college and you're you know you're trying to find a job but you don't know what to do but then like you get hit with it used to be ty lopez ads but now it's like iman gadzi ads or something or like mm-hmm. whatever influencer or agency owner fake guru you got an ad for and they're like you can earn maybe maybe it's russell brunson um because i just saw an ad from him today that was like like no skills don't know what to offer no problem and then i was like a click funnels ad and i'm like of course oh, great classic yeah yeah so um if you get hit with one of those ads and like you have no skills so you decide that hey i want to start an agency because apparently i can do this without any skills um wrong <laughs> So you can learn the skills to, to start an agency, but it's going to take a while for you to learn those before you should just jump in and start having people pay you for those services. The problem is, is like what a lot of those gurus sell you on is like, you don't need to know the skills to execute an ad campaign or do SEO because you can outsource that. And 
and and pay after the work has been delivered. So basically how the arbitrage works is you don't know what you're doing. So you you're told to start uh, a basically a website and you can list all your services out on there and then you get a client who pays you first for your uh your price for that service. And then you go find a contractor typically in like a third world country. Um I don't want to call them out, but I will. The Philippines um, or India or I don't know if they're second world yet or first world. I don't know the differences. The point being that the arbitrage is possible because the cost of living is lower and the cost of services consequently are also cheaper, meaning that there is a new compared to the time of the world, a new margin mm-hmm. in existence that they can exploit for profit. Right. So you hire one of those contractors out and then they deliver the work or they say they deliver the work, and then they bill you for that. So you've already collected the cash up front from your client, which means you can then take that cash or a pool of that cash and pay your contractor to do it. And this required you to really only do client acquisition. So essentially, you're a high-ticket closer, as what's referred to uh, in, in the space, for your own agency. The flip side of that is there's even Googlers out there who are going to say you can outsource your acquisition as well. So you pay on a commission and it's, I have this agency. These are the services we offer, which you ultimately outsource those services anyways. And then you go and find people who are willing to contract uh, or who are willing to find you leads or quote, I guess, booked appointments. And then basically everything is outsourced and you're really not doing anything except finding the contractors to do one, the acquisition into the outsource. And this was actually like two points in a row. Like, and then you wrote some stuff on this too. Yeah, this is done to death. That's how I feel about it is like, I almost don't even want to spend time on it just because it's so cliche at this point. Look, if you don't know what you're doing, don't start here. Like, like if you're outsourcing everything, <laughs> I think the simplest way to say it is, how do you expect to get business for clients when you can't bi- get business for yourself, right? When you're talking about ac- outsourcing the acquisition portion, like if you're a marketing agency, that's what you do, acquisition. <laughs> and then if you can't do it, how are you selling it? I That always blew my mind and people were like, I'm looking for people to find me clients for my Facebook ads agency. And I'm like, why don't, why don't you run Facebook ads and get clients? And like the... And I get the pass. Like the pass is like, well, I don't have the startup cost for that. And okay. Um, the other question or, but then like I see SEO agencies do the same thing. Like I'm looking for clients from an SEO agency. Guess what? SEO is free to it. Yeah. So the irony uh, of, of quoting Ty Lopez here is thick, but uh, uh, <laughs> that was two it came from his, his thick. you know, here in my garage ad, right? It's you have to learn before you can earn, which is funny because, uh, you know, I don't know anything about <laughs> his course and whether or not, <laughs> whether or not, uh, he actually said any of those things. He said that though. And it, that's, that's true. Uh, I, I think that we've had lots of people, lots of guests on at this point, um, who have said something to the same effect that, uh, it's unavoidable. I think too. I think if you're going to outsource things that the the last thing you outsource is the service that you do, <laughs> right? That's, that's the weirdest thing about marketing is if you don't know how to do it and then you start the marketing agency, it, you're, you're doing the business itself when you, you know, the service is the business. It's, it's the same thing. It's not like making yogurt 
And then like, ah, yeah, now I got to do operations and marketing for... You should go back to the legit... Go back to the legit example that we had with uh, Chris Walker of the cheese, uh, the cheese shop. I'm blanking. Remind oh, me. So he, 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 the joke already fell on its face, but he, <laughs> he, he, he said something about like an example of like an SEO thing. And he was like, you know, whether you run a cheese shop. And I was like, that's very specific. Why did you pick cheese shop? And then it was an inside joke. And I was like, we're going to use cheese shop for everything now as an example. And then you went yogurt, which I guess is a dairy product, but not, it's not, not cheese. Bad. You know why I want yogurt is because I don't know this stuck in my brain. You know the um, who what what are they called? Give me the yogurt brands. Uh, Yoplait, not Yoplait. Uh, there's um, it's a newer uh, one. Chibani. Yes, I remember mm-hmm. watching his uh, his. He had a thing on sixty minutes. It was just very interesting and very cool, and oh. it stuck in my brain. And so sometimes I'll just it lives rent free in my head a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I'm doing nothing and I just think, yeah, that guy was cool. Yogurt, right? Um, <laughs> that was an effective marketing PR campaign. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how they decide those things. Uh, but no, nah, it was it was cool. And it I think if you're 60 me. minutes and you have the yogurt guy on, I think you're running out of guests. <laughs> you're like, this is more like a half hour thing. Like, they don't yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I think there is there's a difference. If this is really one of the easiest businesses that you can do. Um, maybe a other service businesses that are also pretty low skill, low entry. Um, but it's, it is comparatively simple. So I, I think you have a, if nothing else, moral obligation to learn how to do this. If you intend to do anything else later on in life, because this you will have to do to do the other things. Not even like a moral obligation. Like it's just a longevity obligation because this Outsourcing your acquisition and outsourcing your work, if you, one, don't know how to acquire your own clients, and two, don't know how to actually execute your own services, that is not a recipe for a long-lasting business. If if your, if your contractors fall through and they don't deliver the service, that's not a good look for you and your clients. Two, if your contractors don't fall through or aren't providing good leads or good acquisition, you have no acquisition model. And your entire mm-hmm. business is based on a process that you don't even own. On top of that, right. if you want to exit, no one's going to buy that. No, like no one is going to buy a solo operation where your entire thing is run by contractors. So you're basically tied to a job that you have created, which is facilitating contractors. You're you're a general contractor. That's what you are. I think we talked about this one before, where I uh, said whether or asked you whether you thought. People were cut out for this. Um, and mm. I I said, I think there are people who try this who honestly should just stick to sales and they would do much better in life in general. Um, sales is where you go when you have no skills and you don't have the funds to pay to learn the skills either. And I, I say that in the nicest of ways, right? Like that, I don't mean that in a mean way at all. Um Sales is great because of that. You can come in knowing nothing and you can just keep falling on your face as you learn and you can teach yourself very cheaply how to become good at sales. And then you can make lots of money and do extremely well for yourself just as a salesman. Um, And Mm -hmm. I I say just as in not as in it's a bad thing, but just as in like that is that can be your one skill set. And it's just so important that people will pay a lot. And you can and sell quick, anything, right? Yeah, and quickly too. Like it'll, the payoff is quick if you can if you can sell 
well. The problem is that when you go to work for a company to sell them and it's like a, it's like territory or region based, uh, the newbies usually get the the bad regions and mm-hmm. and like the low the low sellable ones. Um, but maybe that's why like high ticket closing is so appealing is because like if you're if you're in, if you're a, a high ticket closer or a seller or whatever appointment setter and you're in, in, in everything that you get paid as commission based and there's no base salary you have no like you have all the security in the world technically because if you can't really get fired all you can do is just bring clients and then get paid for it or bring advertisers but it's still Every time someone asks for like a high ticket closer or like an appointment setter that's commission based, I, I always just screams like, "Oh, so you don't have a successful product or an agency?" Because if you did, you could pay a base salary for those for the sellers, and th- that's immediately when I know when when something is commission. We talked about this with Chris with Chris Walker uh, episode like sixty four, I think. Like if you, that's a red that's like a red that's a red flag right there. If you are paying commission only then it's a red flag for other agency owners to know and other you know setters and closers to know that you you don't actually have a good agency or product. Yeah. Mike What's your next one? Well, I wanna round those off because those are those are like three in a row. Those were wanting one, wanting to start an agency that when you have no skills and you know you should you should learn the skills first. Um, mm-hmm. if you want to do SEO, learn SEO. If you want to do Google Ads, learn Google Ads. Um not being um so and then outsourcing so outsourcing was kind of a twofer it was one outsourcing your acquisition and also outsourcing the service you should learn one or both of those um we don't have a problem with outsourcing work as long as you know how to do that work internally as well and you outsource the process as well or you don't outsource the process the process is internal but the work can be uh external and the third one that we kind of glanced over, but it was briefly mentioned in there was not being an expert in the service you're offering. So if you know a little bit about Facebook ads, but you're still outsourcing that, I I would strongly encourage you to be an expert in Facebook ads. And you can learn Facebook ads for free with uh, Meta's Blueprint like courses. It's literally free. I don't think the test is free, but like to learn and take the courses, it's all free. So uh it, it, it's all out there. So if you're paying someone to for like a Google ads, which again is free or Facebook ads course, either you value the structure of somebody that isn't Google or Facebook because the courses can get kind of complicated when they're direct from the, the platform or you didn't know those free cor- those, those free examples existed and um, someone's pulling a fast one on you. Uh, okay. Now we'll move on to the next one. Sorry. I just want to round those off. No, that's good. Um, oh, my dog is whining. He's actually he's actually dreaming. <laughs> I'm gonna kick him. I wake him up. Jack. All right. <laughs> I don't know why. It's really like talking and like cutting this episode, and then all of a sudden hearing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't wake him up. Okay. Uh, we'll we'll move on. So the next one is not doing your research. So this kind of line, this kind of aligns in with the not being an expert in the service you're offering. But even when it's not the service you're offering and it's like a tangential service or something that complements it and you don't do your your research on it, or, or maybe it's a, a new update to, to the service that you're offering. Like Facebook has a new um, or uh, a good example is uh, iOS 17. They're blocking out UTM parameters. But so like the misconception was that they were blocking out 
if someone's on an iOS device and they click on a link, it would strip all the UTM parameters. Uh, I learned recently that that's not true. It only... Jake, where'd you learn that? <laughs> uh, stacked Marketer, actually. It was a it was a Stacked Marketer, an article in Stacked Marketer, which you Shout should all marketer. subscribe for. Yes. Shout out Stacked Marketer. Check the link in the description. Uh, I'm, like, I'm like three referrals away from that hoodie. So yeah. they don't pay us, but I want to wear that hoodie. And just so you know, if you sign up for Stacked Marketer, as my gift to you, I will wear that hoodie on recording <laughs> <laughs> you're like i want to do it anyway but i'll do yeah, it yeah. for you too but you can look at that and say i contributed to that and you did nothing except supply an email to stack marketer and then also learn uh every every day at 6 a.m central time i feel like we need to okay mini tangent um for real for real if you seriously haven't signed up and i i don't like promoting stuff but you're insanely missing out and you should unsubscribe from literally everything else that you're subscribed to. I hate taking the time in the morning to catch up and like be caught up on these things. Cause I just, I got a list of other things that I need to do. And that's why I do it is because I can do it in like five minutes. I make tea, I eat toast, I read it, you know, and I do it quite, I do it very quickly. I do it very fast. And then I know exactly what I need to. And then I move on with my life. You know the best part about the stack marketer emails, though? It's that when you get behind on them, because eventually you do, right? Like, you, right, like, right. Yeah. you got three in your inbox, and you're like, I don't want to delete these. I want to read all of them. Is like, like, I just did it last night where I had like six of them that I hadn't opened yet. I went down, I just like skipped over everything. Like, I read the headlines just to make sure that it wasn't something I was super interested in. Then I went down to the bottom and just went to the roundup. And I was like, I just read the roundup. And then like, okay, cool. Nothing interesting. Click out. Or like I click a link and I open and I read more like the iOS 17 article that they shared. I think it was from search engine land. I'm not sure, but yeah, there's like, they've got a format to it that I really like. Whereas they hit you with like the most important news first. Mm -hmm. And then once you like towards the bottom, they do more like information or research based stuff, um, which is helpful. But at least for me, like if I'm in a hurry or a rush, I know that, okay, like the first two major um, paragraph sections. And then if I have more time and it's not just keeping up with the industry, then it's okay. Some of these things we can either test ourselves or, you know, can learn the, about the numbers behind it. Do you know, I never skip in a stack marketer email. What? What? <laughs> the, uh, the brain teaser. <laughs> I, so, okay. I get like 90% of them. Right. But then like, I'm like, Sometimes I just don't have like I don't have the time to figure this out, but like you hit me with it, so I gotta know. <laughs> so like I click on it, and then I'm like, oh okay. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so this iOS 17 update it doesn't strip all UTM parameters. It actually only strips the the personal the, the personally identifiable UTM parameters, so like the right. the FB ID click or whatever. And in in most situations, the only time those are like like relevant is when the platform is dynamically inserting them. So this is going to affect a lot of like ads that are mm -hmm. using dynamic and personal, uh, personally identifiable information as well as like email click throughs. So um, it's going to be a big hit to, I think uh, ESPs or email service providers, especially ones that, that rely on this like Clavio or um, I think even MailChimp and iterable. Um, so yeah, kind of sucks for them, but you know, it's also like clicking through that and reading that and doing my research 
on things like that. So if I if if I am someone who really relies on this attribution model, like I use something like Hyros or Wicked Reports or something like that, and I need to know this, it's it's really important if your reporting is going to start getting weird because you are also doing that research and staying up to date on this. Um, you know, preferably by subscribing to Stack Marketer. Um, but there's uh, there's a ton of other stuff like especially like, related that's to S- only the agency side of things too right that's not even necessarily your your specific industry which you need to yeah know. that's a good point yeah so not even doing your uh your i guess you read my sub bullets i didn't even read my own sub bullets and then you read those <laughs> and you're like you're like you're derailing here well i had i had one more point that i wanted to throw in but i didn't really know how to so uh, i'll just say it now and it's Hey, we need to we need to bug people for reviews again because we haven't oh, done that for a long yeah. time, and we've kind yeah, of we haven't gotten a review same... in a long time. Yeah, what's up? Is it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing one of two things. I think um, either people think that we're not talking to them when we say this, and we are. That's one. And two, mm-hmm. maybe um, based on our numbers, that we we've got like a loyal audience, but we haven't really tapped into a completely new like a new tier. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's one guess. And that's I, I, so one of the doing, things that would help that is, hey, give us a review so we can get that extra boost so that we yes. can get on on Apple. Leave a review. Um, say mm-hmm. something that you like about the podcast or us. Um, and on Spotify, you just got to leave a rating. OK, OK, I got a gripe here. Over 50 percent of our audience listens on Spotify. Over 50. I think gripe? it's like 66 percent. What's that? What's the gripe with it? Okay, so the gripe is that in order to leave a rating on Spotify, it's one click. Actually, it's two clicks. It's leave a rating and then hit hit the five stars. But like, that's it. Like, you don't have to say anything. You don't have to like, <laughs> like, eat. like so Apple. Your gripe is how easy it is. Yeah, it's how it's so easy, but you don't do it. Like, <laughs> like listeners are like, oh yeah, I could leave a leave a review, but it's like your phone's on you, man. Pull it out and mm-hmm. hit that hit that review that, that rating. Because they can't only you can only do it on mobile for Spotify, right? No, you can do it on desktop now. As long you if you have a desktop app, yes, yes, uh, okay. I, I saw that. So you can do it on on desktop as well. But um, well, even yeah, more so reason. I was, I was I was looking at the episode statistics, and um, we actually have of the newer episodes, like thirty and up, our audience retention rate is actually eighty percent of the of our episodes. So like so, our average thanks, episode guys. is that's cool. Yeah, like it's like forty four minutes is the average episode. Um, but the retention is 70 or is 80, 80% total. So like in our newer episodes, like people actually stay until like the 80% mark, which is a lot of time to listen to a podcast. Mm-hmm. And I, I would also assume that probably a lot of people skip the cold open. So if you skip the cold open, your retention rate is actually closer to like 90 or to hundred percent. Yeah. And which we so, still do, even though you guys might not like, but some of you do like, that's the thing we get like half and half on it where some people are like, Oh, you wasted 10 minutes of my life. I'll never get back. Blah, blah, blah. And then other people are like, this is the thing. This is the identifier that makes this interesting as opposed to every other podcast out there. It's literally why I put in the top of the descriptions now, like you can skip the cold open at this second mark. Yeah. Um, But anyways, back to to the topic. Anyways, leave a review or rating. Um, So back to not doing research. Uh, this, as Cody pointed out, this also extends into doing research into your own niche. 
And this is, this is incredibly important because what differentiates Evergrow Marketing, our agency, from other agencies is how much of an expert we are in our niche. And not only from an ads perspective, so we can go and say what the average click-through rate for landscaping business is for landscaping near me. Like we can just look at the data and look at that from across almost 100 accounts. And uh, we, can, we can provide that data, but also an expert as far as just industry standards. Like I know that the industry standard close rate when a landscaper gets a sale or gets a lead is 50%, but it's been 30% this year for some economic reasons. And I also know like the average pricing for like uh, an, an entire year of mowing or fertilization or like a landscaping project. And it's all related to just knowing and understanding the industry in the niche. And, and doing that research, subscribe to the magazine, subscribe to, uh, you know, if you're in the landscaping industry, subscribe to Landscape Management, subscribe to Green Industry Pros Magazine. Whatever niche you're in, there's probably a business and education magazine or forum or whatever that you should subscribe to and pay attention to. Um, which leads me to my fourth point. Or is it four? Yeah. No. Mm. Fifth. Fifth point. Uh, so we had waiting to start an ad- or no skills, not being an expert in your services, outsourcing. Not doing your research. So number five. Yeah. Uh, number five is niche hopping. So I this I see this all the time, and it's not it's not from like just random people in the forums. It's from people who are like actually in my inbox in Facebook and asking me questions. And not only do not only that, like I'll see someone they'll message me and say like, "Hey, I'm targeting roofers." I'm like, "Okay, cool." Like, so this is what I would do if I was targeting roofers, and like if that was my niche. And then two weeks later, I'll see them in a landscaping group posting of like SEO for landscapers. It's like, what, what are you doing? And then like they're mm-hmm. like, well, I wasn't getting any leads with roofing, so I switched to landscaping to see how that would work. I'm like, you didn't give roofing long enough time. Like, do you know how long I was in the lawn care and landscaping niche before I got a client? There's like, mm-hmm. like almost almost a year. Like, yeah, uh, it takes time, and it it takes time building your expertise and doing your research in the industry and like diving in. A hundred percent. And if you don't know um, what, if you don't know your your niche is good, because it, it's it can be a gamble, right? You can you can pick a niche that sucks, and like either the margins are low or the the just the market is low. But we did a whole episode on this. I'll try to find it. But we did a whole episode on on how to choose your niche. We got lucky. So we get asked this question all the time, or I do, even after this episode aired where we talked about it. But we got lucky with our niche, or I guess I did when I picked it. But if we were to do it again, if we were to say, let's go into another niche and start another agency, we would be very selective on the niche that we go into just just by doing research. Um, I'm trying to find that the episode that I can reference for you. but About niche, niche selection? Is that what you mean? Yeah. Do you have anything to say on niche selection so you can buy me some time? <laughs> I think the most important thing is like I I know that people who listen to this because I can remember when my brain was at that spot too. It's you just think, okay, I just got to find a good one. And that's really just not the best way to go about thinking about it. I think you just need to find your your default mode, so to speak. Like when when you're just being yourself with your own normal interests, what do those align with and what's the closest niche that you can do with that? Because that's the one you won't give up on and you won't niche hop because it's what you always go back to. Um, and sometimes that can be hard uh, because it's it can be still pretty far away from your direct interest. But 
you can always find something or it can be just something like peripheral to it. So say, for example, you're into gaming, right? You're a deep gamer and then you go to your dentist appointment and you find out that your dentist also likes gaming. So you bond over that. And then all of a sudden you now have a connection to a dentist who could be the start of your specific niche. I think that's the most important thing. More important is just getting getting started and finding your in. Um, of course, yes, with a, with a good one, but you're going to learn that as you start talking to whoever it is in that niche to find out whether these things are viable or not. Um, because some are, like Jake said, some are harder than others. Um, but the hardest thing of all is, <laughs> is just uh, staying committed and, and going through the beginning difficulties of, of getting the first client and that sort of thing. So however you can make that the easiest for yourself with finding um, someone who's willing to give you a shot, who's willing to work with you, especially if you have no skills, you don't know what you're doing. You're going to have to have a test dummy that you, you know, somebody who's okay with you using them as an experiment to figure out what's working. Um, because this, if you go for a niche agency, eventually it's a snowball rolling downhill. Like the hardest part is just getting started because once you get momentum, everything feeds into itself. The best example of this is us doing any sort of data collection and making statistically significant decisions based on ads or SEO or anything like that. The more data we have, the faster we can do that. So early on, when we're trying to make educated decisions on what keywords or what sort of ad scheduling and that sort of thing, well, we don't have a lot of data to work with. You have to wait longer for, you know, for you to collect that data so you can make those decisions. The more you get, the faster it becomes. <laughs> so the hard thing then becomes taking the time to do it because now you have less time because you have to spend it in other places. So earlier on, you have more time, but you have less of the data to work with. But that's a little bit of offshoot, but I think that um, should help people understand. When it I want to say, to, I wanna say but, that I loved everything you said. <laughs> especially about like like con you, the connection you made to the dentist like you know you bonded over video games instead of like you know your first inclination is like go into the video game niche but it's like you know but but if you bond with another person in another industry maybe you that's your connection to to dentistry um and and that's not to say that you can't pick a niche off of video games i'm sure there's something there just know that a lot of streamers and gamers have very low budget so if you want to target like video game studios or whatever then that's or whatever i don't know yeah, but but, I, but I, if I was in video games, I would go into video editing and just partner oh, up with yeah. the YouTubers and take fifty percent of their ad revenue because oh. that's a uh, Gody Gody hitting you with the secrets right there. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know if people know that. People should know that though. That um, like a lot of the I guess streamers now they're not stream. Is it streamers too? I don't see this. I don't know the full extent of this, but I do know that. So on YouTube, especially the well, the video editors for YouTube. And the YouTubers, all the YouTubers, once they get bigger, aren't editing their own videos anymore. They're working with a some sort of video editor because they don't have the time. With yeah, how well, usually streamers will record all of that, and then the editor will will cut it, and they'll oh, like, okay. sh ship out like you know five ten minute videos from that. Yeah, so um, you can make a lot of money there, especially if you're good and you're fast and you, you become good at it. Um, there's one guy. I'll give him a shout out just because I find him very interesting. I think his name's. Um, Mudan, Mudan. I don't know if you pronounce it. Um, he does the video editing for like Trash Taste, um, the Anime Man. It's this is like the weed world of Japanese anime stuff. But he's he's a freak. Like he's extremely talented when it comes to video editing, and um, I know he does very well. So um, that's 
pretty far from <laughs> what we do <laughs> when it comes to local lead generation. But I mean, if if that's what your thing is, and you can build an agency off of that, you can scale that. Yeah. You can get other edit video editors and build a brand off of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go for it. I, I think that that is the most important thing. Uh, it's so easy when you hear of a niche to be like, okay, yeah, I'm going to go try that one. Don't do that. <laughs> like, don't. <laughs> I, that's a very bad way because you're just gonna you're gonna you're gonna come in. You're gonna come in hot. Like, oh yeah, this is great. You're gonna get bored very quickly, unexcited, and then you're gonna hop. And then we're going to see you in a Facebook group. Like, why are you here? And then we're going to make fun of you on a podcast. Yeah, yeah. Well, I keep getting derailed. So I've got like three derailments to to, to blast through. Okay, I'm going to shut up. Um, here we go. Okay, you go. okay. Okay, so number one was I, I, I strongly believe that a lot... And I posted this in a group or I responded to a comment and with this in a group. But I strongly believe that a lot of the common niches out there like solar, roofing, crypto, whatever, are... It are a result of people taking Iman Gaji's course on YouTube. Um, <laughs> be, because, so I, I, I am doing a lot of research on, on course creators right now um, for an undisclosed reason. Uh, <laughs> and I, I did like probably six hours uh, of, of one day just researching Iman Gaji and his course and, and how everything works in there. And I've noticed that in his course, he has like, the sales script and the services to offer for specific niches, even though his agency wasn't for those niches. And it, my, my assumption is he's bringing other people in to help write that and curate that. And then he's paying them a, a portion of the, of the course that you paid for to when the people take those. Um, but they're not actually good because one, if you do any research, even Gaji made 2 million uh, on his agency or in his agency, but he makes a hundred, at least two, 175 to 200,000 a month selling the courses. So, um, Wait, did he sell his agency? I don't know anything about yeah, this. He got rid of it. I don't know if he sold it, but he closed the doors down like last year, I think, or he earlier made this year. two mil before taxes, yeah. after taxes. I don't know. It's not clear. Um, like nobody else cares. They're like, Cody, why yeah, are you I doing mean, this? Yeah, but, nobody cares. But he, he said that you can't, agencies really can't get to, and I could be misquoting, but agencies really can't get to $2 million in profit. It's just not. It's just not scalable to that point, which is absolute horseshit. And just it just <laughs> it just shows it just shows me how bad of an agency owner he likely was if he couldn't actually make it past that. Um, and and I only say this because he makes so much money with his courses, telling other agency owners to outsource literally everything, and provides them the script to niches that he wasn't even in. I, and I don't know about that. I, I think I. I think he just he's talking from his realm of experience and it sells well when I said I was going to shut up. But I, I do want to <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to crap on. I don't know the guy, um, but I know that usually I mean, what if you say think anything on the Internet, if you say confidently, people like that. So um, I'm sure he's doing that. And that's great mm-hmm. that he's probably just talking from his experience and what he knows. And um, but I, I know that that's just not <laughs> it's not true <laughs> it's not the case i know people who are, i'm i'm confident are doing um much more than that uh and yeah i i, I have the this, video this is what worries me about us getting to this point too of um making courses and stuff is i never want to go past or pretend to go past the point of what we know and what we've experienced it'll always just be us saying here's what we did here's what we know and here's um, us telling you how to do that up until this point, because we in the, in the grand scheme of things, we are still tiny, very small. 
Um, so there's a combination of us teaching what we have done up until this point, but also either lending on experts who know more than us um, to help us share information that's beyond our current point or to just share, share the struggles along the way. Um, but that was, I yeah, don't, that was the whole reason for this podcast. Right. Yeah. The, the, I don't know. I think it's weird when you have the, the gurus, this is Pat Flynn, right? That he got to the point and they all do this because you get to, um, you as an affiliate get to like 10 K a month. It's just the magic number for everything. And you know, you can always sell out once you hit 10 K because that's enough for everybody to be like, Oh, this is amazing. Um, I'll totally buy whatever it is that you're selling. And then you make the real money teaching. <laughs> not actually doing it or scaling it just saying here's how you get to 10k with well you make it. the real money short in the short term teaching it's i i don't i don't even yeah. think courses courses are a long-term strategy no no it's just the big you know the big paycheck and then thank you um now i can i don't know i don't know what you do with that sort of money um you just yeah. disappear or you but I, I feel like most people aren't in that mindset if they're in that group of I want to make a lot of money really quickly here because I think they want the attention and the fame. For me, you know, if we if we sell a course, we make a ton of money. I'm you guys already know I'm disappearing. Right? <laughs> I'm totally cashing out. I want to call I'm, your bluff. <laughs> if I don't, it's it's purely to keep hanging out with Jake, um, who would force <laughs> me to keep being around. Sweetie, here. Why even so cute? <laughs> uh okay so we gotta we gotta keep moving on i, I have two more yeah. de- <laughs> two more derailments that i want to talk about i'm physically okay. holding my lips closed okay so one is i love how we always come back to dentists i other other listeners have i've con- have talked to us about how we always talk about going to the dentist or like our dental issues or like whatever like dental health I have in general. To say, but i'm holding my mouth shut okay so i i had a, a dentist appointment at 2 30 which is hilarious again on monday and I, I I had to call him. I was like, hey, I got it. I called him at like 8 a.m. I was like, I got to reschedule because I had like meetings coming up. And they're like, she goes, well, we usually prefer if you give us like a 24 hour notice. And then it's like, there's a silence there. And I was just like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> can, so can we move this or what? <laughs> she goes, yeah, but we got to put you like a month out. I'm like, it's a cleaning. I don't care. <laughs> like, But I just thought that was mm-hmm. funny. I wanted to talk about that. So... Um, also your dental health is very important. Um, my other dear, which, which is, which is on the topic of niche shopping because Matt, uh, what's his face? Matt, the SEO guy, the affiliate SEO guy, Matt, affiliate S- Matt, oh, Matt. Matt, Matthew Woodward. No. Um, he's an affiliate SEO guy, right? Well, is he still he, doing I stuff? wasn't denying that. <laughs> That's not the Matt I was talking about. That's the only one I know. You say um, SEO guys, I've got like, okay, yeah, Matthew Woodward. I don't pay attention as much. The only person Matt I pay Diggity. attention to. Ah, okay, okay, okay. So we're going to be like, what? What are you going to say? No, I'm just going to shut up. I'm never going to tell people who I pay attention to with SEO. I'm just, nope. You'll never know. Barry Schwartz. <laughs> um, Matt, Matt Diggity. So like he posted, I don't know if it's on LinkedIn or Facebook, about like um, people being so specific about the niche they go into. He's like, you don't need to focus this on like too much. Like it's... Or like, you know, or it was, um, it was picking a niche that you're passionate about. He's like, you don't need to pick a niche that you're passionate about. He goes, I was passionate about yoga. And I was like, weird flex, Matt. But like, he was like, there's just no money in it. Like yoga is free to do. All you need is a mat. And, um, but then I realized that that's from the perspective of affiliate marketing, which I kind of agree with. Like, you don't need to be passionate about whatever you're doing with affiliate marketing. When you're an agency, a little bit different because you have to actually speak the lingo in real time and talk to actual people about this how long ago did he say this to like two days ago 
Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Um, I think it was on LinkedIn. Um, I follow him on multiple uh, platforms. Let's see. see. I don't know. I think at this point, affiliate SEO has changed so much that I yeah. would pick something that you're deeply passionate about. Facebook four days ago. Follow your passion and quotes is the worst possible advice for niche selection. I'd know. He would know. My first niche yoga cost me a year and a half to learn that yoga costs $20 to buy a mat and then you're done. Yogis do not spend money. Also true. Um, so I, I don't agree with him, this, the blanket statement that it's the worst possible advice. I think it's not great advice yeah. for affiliate marketing and and you can make an argument against following your passion. But I think um, and your niche in your agency doesn't have to be your passion either, but it does have to be something that you, um, I guess, are passionate about learning and being an expert in for the sake of the health and growth of your agency. Uh, maybe we can get him on the podcast. We can talk about that. That'd be cool. Yeah. Matt Diggity. I'm going to tag you in there. So if you got a Google alert on your own name, <laughs> you're, you're going to get it. <laughs> That'd be great if that worked. Uh, okay. We got to move on, man. We <laughs> Okay. I got two more. Are you done? Because I only have the two. I, but they're they're yeah, short. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, Give me the title again, just so I phrase this correctly. We're telling people what they're doing oh, wrong. Um, the, the top seven things new agency owners get wrong. Okay. Hot take. Zero startup costs. I think... This is you asked me to give you the title when you could just scroll up. Oh, really? Oops. Don't tell people that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, zero startup costs. I think that it can be a mistake when uh, you don't invest money into something. And I remember, shout out Dave. Um, we've mentioned Dave before, who would be great to have on here sometime. Um, but he told me once, this is what I was super broke. I was so broke at this time. And this was about legally getting set up because I had started making some money from the affiliate stuff, but I wasn't, uh, it was just all under my personal name. There wasn't any sort of legal separate business LLC sort of thing. And he told me to lawyer up. Right. And, um, of course you always have the crowd that says, um, you know, you don't have to pay a lawyer. You can establish your business yourself. And I'm not saying that that's not true. You can totally do those things if you want to take the time to learn them. But the idea was, it was going to cost like in Iowa, it's like 500 bucks for most lawyers if they're going to help you get that sort of thing set up, which is at the time, it was a lot of money. And still now, I mean, it's not nothing. But his point was, look, if $500 to start a business is going to deter you from not doing the business, you're not in a position or a mental space to actually do the business yet anyway, right? That's not a lot of money in the grand mm-hmm. scheme of things. And you hustle however you have to. To, to get like if you really got a scrape to make that happen um I, I think do it because you need to feel that pain of having the effort and the money and you know into making it legitimate so that you feel obligated to do well with it because when you start with nothing it's, some, it's anything that is free you always risk not appreciating it or valuing it because you like didn't have to do anything <laughs> and not leaving a review yep yeah mm-hmm. that should be the cost yeah is leaving a review so that's my one. Um, and then my last one is just uh, no clear goal. Wait, People hold on. I wanna, hold on. Hold on. Oh, okay, right, right. Take it back. <laughs> Go back. I didn't like even say seconds. it. Okay. I didn't say it. I, I, I want to piggyback off of your, your zero cost startup. So I don't, I don't want the listener to get confused. I say the listener, like I don't, I'm not speaking directly to you. I don't want you to get confused that no, like paying money it is inherently like a rite of passage for you to, to show how um, invested you are into the business because there's a lot of courses out there that are like, 
if you pay, you know, nineteen ninety seven or you pay nine ninety seven or whatever, like this is the investment that you need for your business to get it to grow to ten x or whatever. That's not what Cody is saying. Yes, and, agree, true. And I, I don't want people to fall for the trope of, well, this is this is what you need to do for your business. It's not all of the information that they're selling you. The, even when we start a course, all of the information that we're selling you is available for free because the purpose of our course is prov- of our future course is providing the information in a structured format. It's the same way. It's the same reason why I'm going to college for Spanish, but you could learn Spanish for free on Duolingo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, and that's that's all it is. But even like when we talk about Google Ads and Facebook Ads, before we even start it, I I want to just be like, by the way, you can go learn this for free on Facebook Ads right. or or Google. Um, but if you want to learn it the way that we do it for our clients, then, you know, here's this. And, um, but I, it'll never be pitched as you need this for your business because that's just not true. If you are tenacious enough and you want to learn, the information is out there for free. What Cody is suggesting is that to do things legitimately, like, like get an LLC and protect your IP and like get a website up. Those are costs that you should invest in your business to show that you are actually invested. Okay. Yeah. And rant. If I make fun of you, it's it's just, you know, in a very Japanese way of like, oh, you didn't take three years to read through, you know, 400 it's, articles online. Like I think I the did word you're looking because, for is sarcasm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. There's a Japanese yeah. word for it. It's called Hayohara. And we're like, well, yeah, we call that sarcasm. There's an English word for that, too. no it's it does make it makes sense um i didn't do it but also i didn't know who to trust at the time um and you know maybe if i had uh i would have done a course or something but anyway let's get to the final point no clear goal it's a big mistake i think um you need to know why this i i just had like simon sinek flash in my head there for a second (laughs) no no Uh, why Uh, yeah, you need to know why you need to know why you're doing this and what your ultimate goals are, because if you can't always go back to those, um, one of two things, you won't succeed or you'll lose yourself while you're doing it. Um, and that's a scary thing. I I think it's good to be grounded and know why you're doing what you're doing so that when your boundaries get pushed, which they will, um, you can always go back and say, you know what? No, or yeah, no, this is in line, but usually no, because it's, it's easy to say, Yes, to many things, many opportunities later on that come along. But um, being able to identify what you don't want is important so that you don't fall into that. Um, so having a clear goal is important. Otherwise, you will you'll start getting pulled in different directions and different places that maybe you never wanted to go. And sometimes that can be a good thing because it's an opportunity. But other times it's um, taking your life away from where you set out to go. I forgot to mention this. It's episodes 40 and 59 are the two that we have about uh, how to pick your niche and how to become an expert in your niche. So if you're still listening to this <laughs> and you haven't dropped off by now, uh, let's go back and listen to episode 40 and 49 for or 40 and 59 for those, for those, uh, for those details. Additionally on piggybacking off of what you said, I'm pretty sure episode either 68 or 69, we, we talk about the goals and, and your agency. And so if you haven't read or watched uh, Simon Sinek's like Ted talk or his book on the golden circle. You should definitely give that a watch. I know it's a little bit cliche at this point now, but it's, it's a good video or thing to read to just understand why you're doing something yeah, with the video is like 20 minutes, maybe. Yeah, but it's good. Yeah. Like I'm saying that as a short thing, like he's oh, got a book, yeah. right? But it's if not an hour and 10 minutes like minute, this episode. 
Yeah. <laughs> if all you do is watch a 20 minute video, that's okay. Like, uh, I haven't read his book, um, but his, his video was, is good. We have his book. And I think I, I think I, um, I recommended it in, uh, episode, um, episode, we're going to do Wait this. Um, cut that, cut that, cut that, cut that. This we did an episode on like book recommendations that we had. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know where it's at, but uh, I mentioned it in there. Um, oh, episode sixty-one. But yeah, do we? Do we? Was that it? That's yeah. That's it. it okay. Kind of, kind of got weird there because we were going hot, and then it Dude, just kind of, it kind of bottle rocketed there, like just, and then yeah. Here. <laughs> <laughs> and we're done. That was, okay, that was well, it, guys. Let's let's round it off. Let's the the, the seven things. So one yeah, um, recap. Starting agency when you have no skills or because you have no skills. That is one of the worst things you can do. Uh, learn the skills first. Two, not being an expert in the service you're offering. Becoming the expert in your service that you're offering. All the information's out there for free. If you want something structured, find a course that you trust. Uh, and not don't get anything that's gimmicky. That uh, Just number one advice there. Three, Outsourcing services before you even know how to execute it yourself. And this also goes in, in regards to acquisition. It's almost like 7.5. So make sure you know how to do the thing that you're you're selling your clients before you outs before you decide to outsource that. Um, and just for reference, if you're a new listener, Evergrow doesn't outsource anything. That's our agency. We don't everything is internal. Well, I guess our accounting is technically outsourced. Um uh, yep. yeah, but um and we don't have an internal lawyer. We don't we can't afford that's that. True. Sorry. That, yeah, yeah. Um that's could. outsourced too. That'd be a but, bad decision. Anyway. anyway. <laughs> okay. Uh, was that three, four, uh, not doing your research. So not just, not just in like the services that you offer, if there's any updates, but also in your actual niche, you need to research your niche. You need to research the service. Look at Jack, Jack trying to get out. <laughs> He's like, please open the door. <laughs> uh, and then uh, five is niche hopping. Pick a niche and stick to it. Uh, listen to episodes 40 and 59 if you don't know what niche to pick and don't know how to become an expert in your niche. Remember, it took me, I think, six months to get my first client, which lasted for two months, and then another 10 months to pick up a new client in the same niche. But I never switched niches. And now we're getting big. Um, f- frustratingly big, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, and uh, the last two are... Um, well, it's a hot take from Cody. Uh, having zero startup costs or starting this because there are zero startup costs is is a red flag in the uh, success of your agency. Um, not from the perspective of that you need to spend money on things, but if you're not willing to spend money on things to legitimize yourself, then there's a good chance that your agency might not succeed because you're not invested in it. I don't want people to get that confused with buying a course because someone told you. Again, the information's mm-hmm. out there for free. Yep. The last one for seven is no clear goal. Why are you doing this? Is it just for money? And if it's just for money, I can tell you right now, it's probably not going to last very much. I'll tell you right now, mine was for uh, freedom, independence, um, being in control of my schedule, and also money. Um, so think about why you're doing this. Uh, it's a good point. I, so last thing before I go, um, my my mentee, Marcus, uh, he, got, he got his first client. Super proud of him. Ooh. And he told me... Yeah, ooh, ooh, good job, Marcus. Yeah. So he told, he told me a little bit of the details. He's like, yeah, it's, it's like, uh, what was it? Um, let me tell you. It's times uh, four. Yeah, I can't remember what it is. I think it's like, it, it's like, it's like six hundred bucks a month or something like that. Great. Um, but the but the contract is for fifteen hours a week. Oh. 
<laughs> so the, look, this is what I said to him too. I was like, oh, so you work part-time then? Because <laughs> I was like, he goes, what? I'm like, okay, so if you take your $600 and you divide that by 15 hours per week, four weeks in a month, 15 times four, that's 60 hours. You take 500 or 600. I think I think I, I could be the numbers wrong, but 600 and you divide that by um, 60, which is 15 times four. That's 10 bucks an hour. So you, you have a part-time job. Like, um, and I, well, I, I, I think he felt a little defeated, but then I was like, but this is also your first client. And I was like, I was like, did you set a a time constriction on this too? Like, did you say like, I'll do this until X date and then we reassess? And he goes, yes. End of December. I'm like, perfect. Great. I'm like, great. So now you got to bust your ass for three months. But then after that, you can reassess the contract. You've got your, you know, you've got your, uh, experience under your belt. So even though you underbid yourself and you made yourself basically a part-time contractor, when this goes around again, you know that, you know, to, to, um, to adjust that. But basically the, the whole purpose of that was if you're doing this for the freedom of your time, um, he failed on that one. <laughs> uh, but if you're doing it for money, um, technically he succeeded. So um, just things to keep in mind. He got over the hardest hurdle. Right. That's that's the hardest thing is getting account number one to give you an opportunity. And now he's got it. Yeah. So, yeah. And now it's he's a got Yeah. Everything that he needs to, you know, keep going on to the next step. So still good job, man. Yeah. Okay. Now, now this is, we should, we should probably hang it up. Okay. That's it. I've got it. Yep. All right, everybody. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. See you. See you.